Fast fashion. 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 Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome back to the podcast, wherever you are. Today we are going to be telling the story of fast fashion and all of the fun details and different players in it. Yeah, it's a complicated issue and it's one that we need to talk about, especially at our age where I think a lot of people, they're shopping at the fast fashion brands and not always knowing what's behind that curtain. Yeah, definitely. And so today we're going to just deep dive into it, and hopefully you can learn something. Hopefully we can teach each other something. But yeah, so let's get into it. This is Unqualified University. I'm Shira. And I'm Mo. Go ahead, grab some water, grab some coffee, sit down, do whatever you got to do, and we are going to go ahead and get started. So for this first part of the episode today, I'm going to try to dive in a little bit to the business side of it. And we'll be discussing kind of different companies that you probably already know are fast fashion brands. And we're just kind of going to discuss why they're making so much money, how they're making so much money and the different marketing that they try to use. So this first little segment of the show is we'll just be kind of discussing the business side of everything. So first off, I feel like the main businesses that we're talking about are your general ones that you can just download really quick on your phone, at the app store, wherever. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking like Zara, Zaffle, Romwe, Sheen. 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 Oh, oh, She said Sheen. (laughs) Stop. I've I've never shopped there, so I don't really know. Fuck off, you ethical bitch. Oh, bitch, I am not that ethical. I am just as guilty as every other 20-something and younger, honestly. I mean, fuck, I have them downloaded on my phone, and I definitely have about $50 worth of clothes in each app. Um, I didn't, like, I haven't bought them or anything, but, like, that's what I do when I'm sitting in my bed at night and put stuff in my cart. In all fairness, you saw me on my computer yesterday scrolling through Shein looking for lingerie. Fair, honestly. Yeah, I mean, like, cheap lingerie, that's where you get it from. And I think that, you know, the the brand loyalty that we get with this is just absolutely ridiculous. And part of it is our side, the consumer side, but a lot of it is on the business side of they're doing targeted marketing towards us for a reason. Oh, yeah. You see why that, like, all of these different companies have such a very you know, young target audience. And they they do stuff, they, you know, we've all seen the like Zaffle bikini haul on YouTube. And literally like all Zaffle has to do do is just give whatever influencer 50 bucks worth of bikinis. That's like what, six or seven different bikinis. Influencers happy because they're getting free bikinis. And then boom, free marketing. That's all you need. I swear to God, Iggy Azalea, her entire Instagram feed, whenever she pops up, it's always something to do with Fashion Nova. Yes. You know, yeah, we have Cardi B working with Fashion Nova. We have Megan the Stallion, Fashion Nova. Like, thick, pretty-looking girls all on Fashion Nova. And it's because 
they know what they're doing when it comes to marketing and they know how to market that you know that specific demographic i remember there was an article i think it was in marketing weekly news in 2017 they published it and they interviewed and like talked a little bit with Amy Tang, who like at the time was Zaffel's marketing director. And I have her quote from her, but she was like, due to the fast pace of social media, the content on social media must have strong visual appeal that arouses the customer's emotions. And you know, we can stretch not just Zaffel, we can bring it to any fast fashion brand. They are going to try to fit within the most common trends the ones that all of the younger generation really wants to be in. That's why you see thick ass Iggy Azalea. That's why you see thick ass, beautiful ass Megan Thee Stallion, thick ass, beautiful ass Cardi B, all sponsored by Fashion Nova, Zaffle, Zara, Shein, Romp. Like they have all of these because they know that it's gonna spark up different types of emotions in their customers. But so like, they're definitely making calculated moves and marketing towards, 100%. you know, their people. And we don't even have to get into like selling data and privacy, like one, they have all of those analytics too, but like their <laughs> algorithms are reading us like a book and especially college students. A hundred percent. It's kind of genius in a bit of a sinister way, just that it's the same thing. You look up one thing once and now it's everywhere. Exactly. They're reading these trends that are coming up in social media and they're like, boom, thick girls, thick thighs, beautiful. I want them now for my sponsorship. You get into the thing of like Fashion Nova, they have their whole thing of editing all their photos. They edit the shit out of all their photos because they know that that's going to spark crazy feelings in all of their consumers of, man, I really want to look like that. Let me buy this. Oh, yeah. I mean, I... <laughs> I wonder if when you see these influencers, if there's literally a clause in their contract that says, don't forget to Facetune. So for these companies, Zara, Shein, Zaffel, Romwe, they've got their global net sales. And I found these all on, God, it was like some crazy website that it's called e-commerce DB. They literally have all of like the sales records and stuff. Um, for all of these major companies. And it was really interesting to kind of dive into their website before we kind of recorded this and stuff to actually get some numbers, like tangible numbers, or at least as tangible as my brain can handle. Um, like, obviously, we know Amazon is going to be number one. And their global net sales in 2019 was almost $90 billion. I found on that website, I kind of dove a little bit more in, it looked like almost 3 billion was just from like their fashion section. They were obviously like top dog. Jeff Bezos has all of my fucking money. It's fine. We're just going to live by that. But then you have like other companies that are strictly dedicated to fast fashion. Mm -hmm. You've got Zara. They're number one. They're almost at 3 billion in sales in 2019. Shein is at 2 billion. Um, and it's, it's ridiculous. These numbers are ridiculous. And so that pushes us to the question of 100%. We know fast fashion isn't good, but there's some sort of demand. I mean, shit, they're making money. They're selling stuff. They're making $3 billion at the least. Well, the reason that they're making so much is because, first of all, they're selling so much, but they're also selling it for really low prices which means 
everyone can afford it. Exactly. Generally speaking. Yeah. Like, accessibility factor to consumers is very high because it's cheap as shit. And you get your demographic of college kids who want cheap as shit clothes because we're all poor. But they want trendy clothes. And exactly. these companies are all about staying on top of trends, which is why you could go in one week, look at all the stuff that they have, and go in the next and have it be completely different. Yeah, and I mean, that's why that's why it has the name of fast fashion. Kim Kardashian could wear a dress, you know, to the Grammys or whatever she's going. 24 hours later, they could have a, you know, shittier version, but a mock lookalike dress on their website ready to go in less than 24 hours after she wears that dress. It's fast fashion. There's a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then that brings us into kind of we can't we can't blame it. Someone's someone has to be giving them this money. But how are they making so much money at the end of the day? Like they there's no reason why these companies can sell their clothes for so cheap unless unless there was some sort of like cutoff somewhere. So how do these big fast fashion brands have this turnover in 24 hours? They have factories that are staffed with these people who are working from sometimes like 7 a.m. but all the way into the night, like. 10 p.m., 11, and that's their full shift. Mm -hmm. And I can barely make it through a fucking five-hour shift at the coffee shop, let alone however many hours that was. I mean, the working conditions. Ridiculous. Bad. Awful. (laughs) Fucking, no, literally awful. Well, it caught the news back in 2013 because there was a huge um, building collapse. Oh, fuck. In Bangladesh. It was called Rana Plaza. And this building, eight-story building, collapses, kills 1,100 people. Oh, shit. Yeah. They were... So these are all workers that are just, like, in that building at that time? Yes. And they're... Well, these are the people who work there. Yeah. Who come there every day. Just doing their thing. Trying to make their little $8.30 per day. These people, roughly, they make... I would say the average is about 250. Some people make more than that, some a month. people make less than that. Yeah, a month. But it means they're barely hanging on. Like, Working from fucking 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. And NPR ran a story in 2017 and it was like an update. Mm-hmm. Like what has happened since it. Yeah. And they outline what happened and basically the reason that the building collapsed was because it was a really bad construction job. It was an eight-story building that couldn't support its own weight plus all of the heavy machinery that they used to make all of the stuff that they were making yeah yeah so building collapses 2013 kills 1100 people and it really shakes the world in a lot of ways to wake up and be like oh what's happening yeah why is this happening what type of negligence went on Mm -hmm. for this to even happen the article for npr talks about how the uh bangladeshi government kind of came in and they tried to fix this up and set up some laws that would prevent this from happening in the future but the bigger issue was who was really at fault Mm. in the sense of behind the scenes yeah 
and it was a lot of these fast fashion brands. So a international organization called Human Rights Watch, basically they created this report and it was a pledge and it was called the Apparel and Footwear Supply Chain Transparency Pledge. Ooh, okay. This pledge essentially set minimum standards of what companies have to tell consumers about their supply chain. Um, that's like names and addresses of their actual factories. Oh, damn. They said, let me pull out these receipts real quick. So the Human Rights Watch reached out to 72 brands in 2017 Mm -hmm. when it was first like introduced and when they were like okay we need to do something about this yeah four years later (laughs) yes 17 brands signed bro you out of 72 you said Mm -hmm. only 17 absolute shitheads carry on the ones that did sign were like adidas target's parent company h&m and more and since then some more have, have signed, signed and it's becoming a much more widely accepted thing yeah beyond just putting like made in bangladesh or made in china on your tags yes like we're gonna need some more information here yeah that's i feel like i remember when see there's an there's a whole other conversation to be had here but which i won't get into but i feel like i remember when i remember hearing about adidas doing that and it was a part of their marketing for a while. And they're like, we're going to be more ethical and this, this, and this. And like, we signed this treat. Like, I remember that being a thing specifically because I remember thinking, like, why are you marketing the fact that you have now, just now, decided to start doing the bare minimum? Why are you saying that that is like a good thing? Why are we marketing that? Well, the thing about that too is you have to remember this pledge is minimum standard literally minimum <laughs> do the bare minimum please thank you these people who are being interviewed with new york times i feel like they don't want to be like oh woe is me because these are their livelihoods if they were to put a full stop to fast fashion they would not have jobs not to say that fast fashion should not be stopped but this is their livelihoods this is how they make money so to like come and get an interview with new york times they they're, they're not going to sabotage themselves. They're not going to sabotage their paycheck. Yeah. So that's what I was thinking when I was reading this. I was like, how much of this is... Fluffed up. Rose-colored glasses. Yeah. yeah. This one guy, his name's Wahid, mm-hmm. and he works at a textile mill in Pakistan. He's talking about how they come in for their shift at 8 a.m., and they don't always know when, perf- when their supervisors are going to let them out. Oh, beautiful. And then he says it may be 8 p.m. or 10 p.m. by the time they're allowed to leave for the day. He also notes how common it is for there to be injuries, especially like finger injuries. Oh, I'm sure. So he Are actually... Needles? Yes. He notes specifically, quote, sometimes needles break and get stuck in your bone <laughs> if you're... A- Shit! Are you kidding me? In the fucking bone? Mm-hmm. And it's when their hand gets too close to the machine... But then they're responsible to go to the hospital and take care of all that themselves. Yeah, they're like, oh, you got her. Okay. Mm-hmm. On their, See you tomorrow. Um, on their, like, 250 average... Monthly salary. salary. Not even a salary. And a big worry throughout each of these different profiles is their kids. Yeah. They don't want their kids to be doing this, but they're also kind of aware that that might end up happening. 
because oh. their kids want to go to school, but they can't afford school. This one woman talks about, um, her name's Si Kong. She works in an outdoor apparel okay. a factory um, in Cambodia. Mm. And she's talking about how she doesn't want her 12-year-old son to end up in this... The same position. Exactly. And he wants to go to school, but a quality education is $20 per month. She makes $230 a month. $200 to $250 a month. Your kid wants to go to school. Let's say you do make $250 a month. Keep in mind, that's $8.30 a day. You... Your kid wants to go to school for 20 bucks a month. Doesn't seem like a lot for us, but that's a big chunk of your paycheck every single month. That's not even counting in living expenses, bills that you might have to pay, injuries that you might get while you're on the job that you have to go and pay for healthcare. That's also not counting if you get an injury bad enough, you can't go to work for a few days. Yeah. <laughs> it's a no for me. That's so scary though. Chi Tang is in Vietnam and so it says he's stitching denim together for a sustainably focused brand. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And um, so they're marketing themselves as sustainable. Yeah and he's saying it's roughly 388 to 432 dollars. A month? Mm-hmm. So more. More but absolute shit still. Yes. And he uses that to support his family. But during his work day, which is nine hours, mm-hmm. roughly, he says he can finish 1,000 to 1,200 pieces a day, depending on like and how he's hard. stitching together denim, mm-hmm. you said? So like essentially jeans. Yeah. Like, yeah, sure, jackets or whatever, but like jeans. Mm-hmm. He's stitching together this sustainable brand's jeans. Mm-hmm. And this brand, I, I mean, if they're a sustainable brand and they're marketing themselves as sustainable, you get the price uptick. And I'm thinking about, with this whole sustainability thing, there's an automatic connotation there that, oh, sustainable, good, you must treat your workers well. Yes. But this guy is literally saying that he's doing over a thousand pieces a day. Yeah. Like, that's literally constant work. Yeah. To do that In nine hours. Yeah, to do a thousand pieces by hand for nine hours... That is ridiculous. Like, like I don't have a calculator, granted, but that's a he, shit ton. He's probably using a machine. He's not hand stitching it. No, but like he's but there. Still, yeah. He's there. Like he's not hand stitching, but he even if you're using a sewing machine, mm-hmm. that's, that's ridiculous. And you know, they probably set up quotas too. Like these people have probably been in these factories since they were kiddos and have been learning how to do this. There is no doubt that there are there's ch- child labor going on. Yeah. Because there's no laws surrounding it in a lot of these countries. And so from the time that they're kiddos, they're literally sitting there trying to, you know, get their time down for however much it is. Sustainability does not mean ethical. So this one profile specifically didn't um, identify themselves. Simply S. Yeah. In India. And she tells them how their, sh- their shift begins at 9 a.m. And they have a quota of 90 to 120 pieces per hour. Per hour. Per hour. 
that's ridiculous. That is a ridiculous amount. And I can't even imagine what would happen if you didn't hit that quota. Yeah. (laughs) Well, she notes how the workers there don't take breaks. They don't go to the bathroom. They don't do anything because it's a waste of time. And they're actually afraid. They're afraid to do anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Except for do that. Wow. And during the break that they do have, they're still working. They're working through their break. Yeah. Because they just, they need to get the quota done. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I'm sure they make examples of people who don't hit that quota. You know, I remember when I was a kiddo, I, like, watched all, like, the cute little historical movies about, you know, the the women working in the factory mills and, you know, upstarting America and all that kind of stuff. Like, this is happening right now. Yeah. This is happening as we speak. As you are listening. This is happening. That is crazy. Mm -hmm. So apparently she's talking about this. S is talking about this. Mm -hmm. And she notes how they brought these issues to the company. They're they're not going to do anything. Some conditions improved. Like the employees get mineral water now. Oh, that's so sweet of them. Yeah. But it's still, they don't, they still don't get paid very well. And she, she said how the spaces in which they work don't have any windows no heating, no AC, none of that. No, it's just But they get open. mineral water now. But they get mineral water. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's a really big stretch for some of these brands, you know, making however many billions of dollars a year to supply all their workers with mineral water. It must have been really hard for them to really swing that, you know? Poor things. Oh, definitely. Poor Shein, poor Zara. Well, and I think it's just brave of this woman to even... I oh. mean, yeah, she doesn't... Show, they don't. We don't know who she is. Yeah. But to the fact that she even... To stand up for yourself in a condition like that, that's why they can get away with this, is because no one says anything. Because these people are scared to take breaks while they're working, let alone bring their issues up with the big honchos sitting in the CEO desk. And I know we kind of already said this, but the fact of the matter is when you read this article, I think a lot of what they're saying is... I would imagine that they had trouble getting people, to be honest. Yes. Because these people... are scared. This is their livelihood. And regardless of how bad it is, it's better than having nothing. And nothing is the alternative. Yes. And they still have families. They still need to eat. They still need to take care of their families. So even though it's terrible, it's better than nothing. It's literally when you get when you get breadcrumbs, you're not going to complain to the person giving you the breadcrumbs mm-hmm. that it's not enough. Even though by no means is that enough. Yeah. And you should be getting multiple multiple loaves because they're you too are af- just getting breadcrumbs. They're too afraid to say anything and run the risk of being fired. Oh, well you're ungrateful. You don't even get any breadcrumbs anymore. Yeah. Even though they deserve so much better. But that, this is not about what they deserve. It's about what can make the company the most amount of money. Ridiculous. Absolutely, Absolutely ridiculous. It's disgusting. So aside from the way that they treat humans despicably and how many human rights violations are happening, it's also terrible for the planet. The production methods are really hurting the planet. In an article for the UN Environment Program they released, they noted how fast fashion is responsible for 20% of wastewater and 10% of carbon emissions globally. Damn. It's almost as much as America. 
if it continues like this and nothing changes and it's just continuing, yeah. by 2050, they estimate that about a quarter of the world's carbon budget will be gone. Because of fast fashion. Yes. And this is like the UN, environment, like scientists who are hired by the United Nations being like, hey, mm-hmm. guys, listen up. That is ridiculous. Yeah. Well, they use synthetic. Yeah. Synthetics for Plastics. their. Yeah. For their fabrics. Yeah. And what that also means is that when you throw away that shirt you got. That had a hole in it because it ripped after one night because you were drunk at a fucking nightclub and some man tried to pull your arm and your whole ass sleeve came off because it's a cheap made clothing item. Yeah. You throw it away because, oh, Goodwill won't take it. Mm -hmm. And then they end up in landfills or in the sea Mm -hmm. and they're not going anywhere. No. They're They're staying staying there. there. Well, and then this kind of leads me into... When we talk about alternatives, we've had this conversation privately, but I always think about the impacts of not only fast fashion, but then also of, you know, the common, the common way to fight fast fashion is thrifting and all that kind of stuff. Everything is unethical to a certain degree, but, you know, we talk about how these clothes, the fast fashion clothes, you throw them away because they're getting holes or whatever and they're ending up in landfills. Well, then the environmental impact of thrifting as well is, you know, everyone knows Goodwill. Everyone goes to Goodwill. That's the main thrifting. Yes, you have your mom and pop thrift stores, but everyone goes to Goodwill. They get oodles and oodles of clothes and, you know, they go through them, the ones that are not even good enough to even start to go through they toss those immediately boom that's in the landfill two then we also have essentially auctions of these big ass buckets of clothes of just used clothes and 90 percent of the time what happens after those auctions are those buckets are literally shipped to these underdeveloped countries where they were made and they're being dumped back off and they're used like sometimes, yes, yay, reusing. Sometimes they're shredded and used for like furniture stuffing and stuff like that. But like 90% of the time they're getting there and they're just being burned or thrown away mm-hmm. in these third world countries or in these developing countries because they don't have laws against burning plastics. Yeah. Because they don't have lawmakers. And like, yes, 100% thrifting is more ethical than buying from fast fashion companies. I'm 100% on that boat, like, yes. But there, it's still important to acknowledge that. And I think that the real solution to this isn't even thrifting. The solution is just stopping with this overconsumption. 100%. I mean, so with the environmental side of that, some companies are trying to do something. Mm-hmm. They have been trying to be more environmentally friendly so for example h&m they started this clothing collection program okay with guests guests joined a little bit later but still and what they do is around the world they take these these clothes and they recycle them mm-hmm. so things that can be resold are as secondhand goods or whatever okay and then the things that cannot be are then recycled and they're turned into things that like cleaning cloths or insulation material. Yeah. And stuff like that. Yeah. So 
some of these companies are trying to do that. I mm-hmm. wonder, my critical thinking brain wonders how much of this is just... A them. pony show. Yeah, pretty much. And, well, it's great that they're recycling, right? But that you still go into an H&M store and they still have new collections being pushed out every week. Yeah. So I'm just confused. And they're trying to strike a balance. But there is no balance when, great, you're recycling, but you're still making the same volume of clothing as you were before any of this. Yes. You want to feel less bad about your shit going into the garbage can, and instead you're just going to resell it and make more money off of it. Because I remember hearing about this, and I was pissed, because I was like, there's no way that this is actually going to be implemented properly. So, Patagonia. Mm -hmm. I actually like Patagonia, and they do try to be more sustainable, environmentally conscious, et cetera, et cetera. One thing that they do, they'll allow their consumers to, if they have a sweatshirt or whatever from Patagonia and it rips a hole, you can take it to them. They'll fix it for you and give it back for free. Yes. You know? I know Chaco's does that. Like a lot of like Mm -hmm. the outdoor lifestyle, you know, you find them in REI type of stuff. A lot of them do that. Yeah. And I have seen that. So there's a lot of issues on the business and the production side, but let's be real, consumers play a role here as well. Yeah, there's no supply. There's no supply being made unless there's a demand. And, you know, I I find this so intriguing because not only like marketing is psychology based, fun fact, we're both psych We're majors. both psych majors. Um, but so I always love going into and figuring out kind of like why things are the way they are and why do people act the way they act. And so the question is, why? If we know these things about these brands, if we know that this is happening, why? I'm, I'm literally sitting here, we're making a podcast on this, but my bitch ass still has the apps downloaded on my phone. Why? I feel like we know the generics, which we've, we've already mentioned. It's cheap and it's easy. And when things, trends change all the time. You gotta be on top of it. And, and what's, that, what's gonna get it to you fastest. Yeah, and not only that, but if you wanna stay on trend, if you're like a 20 something looking to stay on trend and keep it ahead, these brands allow you to do that at a low price that won't break your bank. Exactly. And so minus obvious arguments, whatever, for fast fashion, I kind of did before this episode, I did a little bit of research into kind of why we still do this, but more of a psychology-based, you know, research study, I guess. So I found a really interesting one that just kind of, I, I feel like it kind of puts what we already all know into more eloquent terms. So it was a research study, it was called Factors Affecting College Students, so us, brand loyalty towards fast fashion, a consumer-based brand equity approach. That's a lot of big fucking words, but I'll break down kind of the main, the main things. Essentially, this was published in 2018 and the researchers, it makes you sound smart, essentially, kind of in layman's terms, it's being able to connect that this brand makes this type of product. So we know that Shein and Zaffle, they make good swimsuits. Yeah, they have some other stuff, but they make good swimsuits. Why do we know that? Because they've targeted all their fucking marketing on YouTube videos of bikini hauls. 
we know this. We know that Zaffle and Sheehan, they make bikinis and they make swimwear. When you have a brand that has too many products, that's when you start getting lower brand awareness. What you see is they start out that way and then they, they use that as the hook mm-hmm. to get you in. And then you go in there, like with Sheehan, the hook is the swimsuits. And then you go in there and you say, oh, well, look at all of this other stuff mm-hmm. that they have. Yeah. This is great. This is a really cute dress. It's 12 bucks. Why not? Perfect. Literally. I mean, Fashion Nova, I feel like everything I see in Fashion Nova is dresses. Okay. And so you see these dresses and you go look at their website and then you see that they have swimsuits too or, oh, these really cute shoes and cheap jewelry, mm-hmm. etc. So it's what's their hook. Their brand awareness is based in their hook and then they can expand from that. Oh, definitely. And so another one of these factors, we were talking about it earlier, how, you know, these fast fashion brands, you know, you're getting like low key shit quality. Oh, definitely. You know that you're not paying for quality. You know that you're not going to get like Levi level denim when you're buying Fashion Nova. You know this, but still within that, one of the factors that this study determined was the perceived value of the products that each brand is producing. So I'm not trying to compare Gucci to Zaffle or anything like that. Never. But if I'm comparing Shein and Zaffle, I can compare their quality and their value. And that's what's going to give them the competitive edge against their, their competitors. And that's what's going to contribute to their customer loyalty is knowing that they're going to get good quality, you know, fas- fast fashion quality, but still good quality stuff in comparison to other fast fashion brands. Yeah. I mean, so before I was educated, I suppose, on what fast fashion is, how it works, the dark side, etc., I remember shopping at these places and being like, oh, I really like Zaffle because it's like good stuff and whenever it does rip or I have to throw it away, it's okay because the trend is already gone. Yeah. When Forever 21 was very much alive and well, I remember I would shop there and I'd be like, oh, their stuff lasts me a good bit until whatever the new trend is and then I can go get it. It lasts a season. Exactly. And I liked it because I was, I thought it was great how, oh, this is, I can wear this and I can have it for this season. And then once the season's over, I can go get new stuff. Yeah. Even the basics, though, like, I've seen these fast fashion places pushing out basics. Like crazy. It is their go-to. You go up on any of their sites, and one of the little thumbnails on there is like, your basics, your basics, your jeans. Yeah. That was Fashion Nova's big thing, was their jeans and how they fit every body type, and they're so good, and like, that was their big platform or whatever. And it's because, you want to know why they fit every fucking body type? It's because they're literally made out of elastic. They squeeze, like, they, they're made out of elastic. They, I think that also speaks to Fashion Nova. Once again, those staple products, it also has to do with the, their brand uniqueness, which is another aspect of what this study kind of concluded, was that they form to your body, which is great, which is nice, but they're not denim, they're not jeans. You're paying $30 for literal blue elastic. When you think of certain brands, you think of, you have associations with 
the types of products. Like, yes, I know that fast or I know that Fashion Nova comes out with a bunch of other stuff. I know that Zaffle and Shein and Zara, they come out with a bunch of stuff. But I, in my head, at least from my personal experience, I know Zaffle and Shein, bathing suits. I know Fashion Nova, lingerie and jeans. And these kind of associations with their kind of unique niches is what contributes so big to this customer loyalty. And it keeps us coming back, even though we know the bad things about this stuff. So that's actually interesting to me. Just what you were talking about, how the brand uniqueness and you know this is a place where you can get this. Mm-hmm. Because it's different for me. Like I see, Yeah, it's different for everyone. I see Zaffle as bathing suits. That I agree with. But like Shein, I don't see for bathing suits. This article that I, it was talking about how they have AI to go in and say, okay, we know that this person already associates Zaffle with bathing suits. That niche is already taken up. So psychologically, there's no more room for us anymore. So this is what we're going to do instead. This is what we're going to target for them instead. Literally manipulating your brain schemas into thinking about their brands in certain ways. And it doesn't matter who you are. It's just reading you based on what you already have looked up. Yeah. But then with that, you look it up. They show you something they know that you're going to love. So then you go to the website and you buy it. And it's easy, it's cheap, it's quick. In the wise words of Ariana Grande, I see it, I like it, I want it, I got it. You got it just like that because Mm -hmm. that's what these companies go off of. I know at the beginning when they were kind of at the start of everything, they were struggling on shipping. They had a lot of people having issues with that. But like over these past few years, they've really bulked up their customer service and their shipping, which is another reason for your brand loyalty is these organizational associations. So the customer associates that brand now with positive experiences. Zaffle really missed the ball for their first few years because they had awful customer service. Now they've really stepped it up. Yeah, I remember Fashion Nova was the same way. I believe it was a long time they had issues with certain things coming in and then other things weren't, and then you'd get the other They'd thing all be later. They'd separate packaging. Yeah, so you'd, you'd order, like, a dress, a bathing suit, and a pair of shoes. You'd get the dress maybe in a week and a half, but that would be it. And then you'd get the bathing suit or the shoes. Like a month later. Yeah. But so, you know, now that we know this, we know this about ourselves. We know this about the companies. We know we're being targeted. How do we, how do we fix this? How do we stop? So in terms of what the consumer can do, there are a few things. One is just keeping your clothes for longer. Yeah, literally. (laughs) Like, especially if you just don't like something or you don't wear it that often, figure out a way that you can wear it. Mm -hmm. Crazy idea. Make a bag out of it. Upcycling, exactly. So upcycling is basically where you take a piece of clothing or a garment of any kind and you remake it or you change it to either make a whole new piece of clothing or incorporate it in something else whatever it may be like you said you can make a bag out of it yeah and it's really not that hard (laughs) learn to sew guys it's not it's not that hard yeah so yeah you can make like a bag out of that sweatshirt that you don't wear anymore um that's happening a lot especially on like depop i see a lot of that but 
what it essentially does is it delays a garment's path to a landfill. Exactly. Which take out a lot of the clothing waste, essentially, that's being thrown in there. Yeah, textiles are like the number one thing that makes up landfills. They make up the majority of landfill waste, and we see that because of fast fashion. So thrifting is another option. It extends an item's lifetime, so it's old for you, it's new for another person. Exactly. And that diverts its path away from a landfill yet again. Keep in mind... All this crazy stuff that happens with thrifting. The environmental as well as the social impacts of thrifting. We see with thrifting, I feel like it started with the fucking Macklemore song. I was like, let's go thrift shopping. Shit started then. Create a timeline of thrifting, it starts there. It starts there, boom. And that's when it started getting popular and all these people started thrifting and... The issue here is, like, by all means, if you do not have the money to shop sustainably, shop ethically, thrift, thrift your heart out, whatever, upcycle your heart out. But if you, I do not want to see another fucking Kylie Jenner of the world going to a Goodwill and thrifting because it's trendy. If you have the money to sustainably buy clothes, then do that. Even if, you know, I get it. Looking at Goodwill for your basic t-shirts or whatever you need to, fine. I get that, you know. But it's important to at least keep in mind that over these past years, there has been some level of gentrification to thrifting. And it's because people who have the money to sustainably and ethically buy don't want to spend that money on ethically and sustainably made clothing. They want to get it for as cheap as possible. And it's more ethical than fast fashion, so let me go thrift. That in turn is taking, I don't want to say taking clothes away, but you are taking away resources from people who actually can't afford a t-shirt, who actually can't afford these things. And that's their only option for clothing versus the Kylie Jenners of the world who can literally just go out and buy a fucking Gucci bag if she wants and it's not a big deal. They're the people who can contribute to the slow fashion. Yeah. Which are those luxury brands that take their time to cultivate their nice collections and they only do one collection a year. Farm you their know? cow and kill it for its natural leather and all their, you know, whatever the slow fashions of the world. But have a regular paying job wanting to get clothing, but can't drop a whole freaking bag on that. Yeah. You know? No, and I think as someone who does, unfortunately, live in the real world of a college student working jobs, doing whatever, I find myself, once again, going back to these brands Mm -hmm. for clothes because they're cheap, they're fast. I think that's why a lot of people are drawn to fast fashion companies and it's it's not good you know and I know it's not good and I know I don't need to have them on my phone and but I think the the real only solution to this would be the downfall of capitalism no I'm kidding I mean yes I mean but that's a different episode (laughs) but like I think the real, I mean, genuinely, the real solution to this is just don't fucking buy it. 
stop buying clothes. I don't care if you're buying it from a thrift store or not. You have plenty of shit in your closet, bitch. Mm -hmm. You have a fucking top to go out with. I don't care if you've worn it before. Style it differently. Learn to sew. That hole that you just <laughs> poked in your in your jeans, you can you can patch it. Literally, that's a quick patch. Go to YouTube. YouTube has so many videos. Girl, take up some embroidery or something. Do a nice like little flower or something on that cute thing. It'll be cute. It'll be eclectic. It'll be vintage. Mm -hmm. It'll look cute. It'll look like you have actual style instead of just watching Fashion Nova models for your style. Make it your own. Make your fashion your own. And once again, I'm reiterating, I know. I I also have the apps. I also have stuff in my shopping cart. Oh, yes. we are not innocent here. It's a balance. And I think we're not striking hard enough of a balance. And by we, I mean myself. I mean us. But I yeah. also mean... As a whole. As a whole. You too, honey. To minimize our consumption as a whole. And it starts with you deciding to not even thrift for you to not buy anything and just use what you already have and that sucks <laughs> but just making an effort towards that is more important than anything else i agree and one thing that i want to work on is like i was talking about upcycling i want to learn how to sew yeah I have a hole in these pants right now. Bitch, I'll teach you how to sew. Thank you. We're going to learn to sew next episode. Next episode, how to sew. Thank you. But the power lies in the hole. Yes. You vote and with your wallet. Yes. And just generally with like what you want, thinking about that, bringing that all together in a way of multiple people. Yeah. When it comes to some of those bigger issues of working conditions and the overall quality of human treatment, a lot of that is controlled at a much larger scale than just the consumer. The consumer can help by their behaviors like we just talked about, but I also would say that looking into things that you can do on the larger scale. You know, in, in an ideal world, we would end with these people who are stuck in these conditions getting different jobs who are, you know, well-paid, but there's no more fast fashion either. So they have a different job mm -hmm. and fast fashion doesn't exist and we're all upcycling and we're not buying anything and that would be fabulous. But this is not an ideal world. So until we can get to that point, we have to be aware of our consumption habits, but then we also have to be aware of organizations like Human Rights Watch and their transparency pledge and all that kind of stuff. When you're aware and you start putting social pressure, not just monetary pressure with you as a consumer, but social pressure on these big companies to start treating their workers right, that's a bridge there. To hold us over until we can yeah. fix this fully, let's at least get these people some better, some better days. If pushing that bare minimum up and up and up is what we need to do, then that's what we need to do. And it's our job as consumer to do that. Yeah. Because right now we're allowing this to happen by continuing to buy from these companies. Yeah, and I mean, as people living in a developed nation, I feel that it's our, in a way, our responsibility to look out for the people working in working in these places. In okay, the Miss Savior Complex. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all I'm saying is that we have a lot of privilege. Yes, and, and we need with to use that, that for good. Exactly, because Instead of just taking advantage Literally, of it. these people working in the less developed nations in these factories, they don't have the ability to make that change for themselves. 
Exactly. Without risking their, their livelihoods. livelihoods. that's the story of fast fashion or at least a little bit of it it's pretty fucking dark (laughs) yeah that was heavy that was really heavy but thank you guys for sitting and listening to us talk about a bit of a darker topic today but you know like always like we do we ask our social media followers to give us topics on things that they'd like advice on or things that they want us to talk about, like fast fashion. Um, So if you wanna add your two cents, please follow us on Instagram. You can DM us, you can do whatever. Um, My handle is at Mo Bastion, just my name. And mine is Shira underscore cap with a K. And as always, thank you for listening to us. Just ramble on a little bit, maybe give you guys some information you didn't know about, and we will see you guys back next week for another episode. Can't wait. (laughs) Fucking great.